Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, June the 11th, as we have a new Philly. The Phillies in the first round yesterday select Mick Abel, a high school pitcher, 18-year-old kid out of Oregon. Coming up a little later, we'll dive into the pick, what it means for the Phillies, and what a lot of the experts had to say about the pick, but first we start where we always start as uh, more information coming our way as yesterday prior to the draft. Rob Manfred uh, sat down with Carl Ravitch, a six-minute, close to six-minute, five-and-a-half-minute interview um, talking about the situation that you know, we've spent so much time talking about, the labor dispute between the owners and the players. Uh, we'll dive into some specifics, a good article on ESPN about everything he had to say, uh, at least from my vantage point watching it I was not impressed with Manfred it did not make me feel that much better he did say um quote unquote unequivocally uh there will be baseball this season uh, this year in 2020 so that that is exciting I mean not a huge surprise considering we know that as we've talked about a ton he has the power to theoretically unilaterally call for a shortened season the players will have to show up for so it is a statement that he can make with some certainty I suppose um, but in general, I thought, first and foremost, and not that I would expect him to lay out a plan or anything like that, but I thought he, w- he was guarded with what he said, which isn't shocking. Um, but he just didn't instill a ton of hope in me. It didn't feel like, okay, this is the leader who's going to get this thing done, get this across the finish line. And, uh, you know, obviously, we've already passed the point where we should have been across the finish line, but to save what they can save and give us more than just a 50-game season where both sides are incredibly unhappy. Um, I don't know. And I I talked about this a bit yesterday, the idea that, you know, when Manfred was made the commissioner of baseball, the legacy that he had or the the image of him was as of a a dealmaker, as Bud Selig's lieutenant, the guy who got things done, someone who could, you know, have negotiated – be involved in negotiations with players, have relations to a player, the union, all that type of stuff, and and was able to make things happen. And sadly, that clearly does not seem to be the case with him as the commissioner of baseball. Maybe he was much better as lieutenant commissioner. Um, regardless, so I was not overly impressed with what Manfred had to say. Let's dive into the ESPN article that has some of the quotes and then some of my other notes from it. 
Um, Alden Gonzalez with the article on ESPN.com. The title, of course, as I mentioned, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred says he's 100% sure there will be baseball. uh, There will be a baseball season in 2020. The article begins, Rob Manfred is certain that Major League Baseball will take place this summer, but he is hopeful that it will come as a result of a negotiated agreement with the players Association, a circumstance that feels unlikely in the midst of contentious, seemingly unproductive negotiations over the past few weeks. Uh, while I agree with that, it does it has seemed unlikely. I do still tend to lean towards the fact that 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 Major League Baseball has this kind of hammer thing here, where they could say, "All right, we're just instituting a 50 game season, 48 game season, whatever it is," and, and the players have to play. And obviously, we've talked about the fact that theoretically, the players could fight back against that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, at a certain point they would play and get their money. I know that players want to play and all that, but I don't know why the owners would, would want to just institute a season when they could actually get something back on their end too, especially if you're only going to add a few more games. We talked yesterday about the seemingly at least four baseball teams, small amount of money it would cost comparatively, you know, not small to you or me, um, to, to go from, say, 50 to 76 games. Um, you would think that if you know it's worth paying that type of money to get concessions on your end too, the things we've talked about, the idea that players would be mic'd up during games, an all-star game in the offseason, a home run derby to generate money, expanded postseason, all these things that the players have put in their proposals that would be a win for the owners. Um, so while I think that it is certainly a possible outcome that it's just a 50-game season that's instituted by Manfred, I think... When it all comes down, they will agree to something. Now, it might be a short season as well, but at least with some concessions on both sides. All right, the article goes on. Manfred, in his sixth year as Major League Baseball commissioner, said in an interview with ESPN broadcaster Carl Ravage on Wednesday that the league will soon provide a quote-unquote responsive proposal to the latest offers from the Major League Baseball Players Association, which consisted of an 89-game season and full prorated salaries that he's 100% sure there will be a season. Manfred, speaking a little less than an hour before the start of a significantly shorter Major League Baseball draft, said the league's proposal will be, quote-unquote, another significant move in the players' direction in terms of the salary issue that has kept us apart. So that's good to hear. We have not seen the owners really take significant steps towards the prorated salary that the players are talking about. We've seen the 75% thing, which is actually only 50% if there's no postseason. We've seen them... I guess, slightly increase their offer, but not to any real level they expect the players to, to potentially accept. So you hope that this offer is potentially um, more reasonable from that perspective. Uh, he goes on, um, quote unquote, from Manfred, we're hopeful that it will produce reciprocal movement from the Players Association, that we'll see a number other than 100% on salary, and some recognition that 89 games, given where we are in the calendar year, calendar and the course of the pandemic is not realistic. So we get that. 89 games at this point is not going to happen. He did say every day that goes by you're losing a game, essentially, um, the, for all theory and, and, and intents and purposes. Um, but this line here I think is, is key. Uh, we're hopeful that it will produce reciprocal movement from the Players Association that will see a number other than 100% on salary. So Manfred is telling you right there, the owners are not going to offer the prorated salary, which I think we all know means this is probably not going to be a deal that's accepted. I mean, it it's pretty simple in my mind. Um, 
The owners need to get to that prorated salary. They should be focusing on what else can they get if they give that prorated salary. The union has made it abundantly clear that they are not budging on that. Unless you're going to get right there and then make it up in deferred money, you're going to give them the 100% eventually. I don't see what type of proposal that is moving off the 100% salary is going to entice the players to finally give in on it. But um, So that is disheartening. I think that, that, that we'll see a number other than 100% on salary is a disheartening thing that he said. Not happy about that. But again, you know where I stand on this on the player's side. Regardless, and I'm again, I'm as you know, if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm at the point where I, I just want movement. You know, I think both sides, and again, I'm staunchly pro-player on this, but I think at this point, you know, Something has to give on both sides even because both sides are too far dug in. Um, so, you know, giving potentially on the 100% salary in order to maybe get deferrals or something else back or a, a salary floor for the offseason or something, you know, for the players moving forward I think is important. Um, but the fact that Manfred is saying that, again, that we'll see a number other than 100% on salary um, is not ideal. It's not ideal that he's still focusing on that, and that, that, that seems to be the crux of the issue on both sides. All right, uh, the article goes on. Players remain firm in their belief that they are owed their full prorated salaries based on agreement made by both sides in March. While owners say the reality of hosting games with no fans means significant enough losses to warrant more financial concessions from the players, we know that. Neither side has expressed a willingness to shift from their positions. Yeah, we know. That's what I was just talking about. It seems very dug in, especially on that issue. It goes on. If the sides can't reach an agreement, Manfred has the autonomy to implement a shorter season. It would reportedly consist of 48 games as long as the players receive their full prorated salaries. If that ends up being the case, sources have said the MLBPA would likely not agree to an expanded postseason and might even file a grievance, which we talked about that being a possibility. The concern, then, would center on how that animosity might spill into negotiations over a new collective bargaining agreement with the current one set to expire at the end of the 2021 season. Um, to that point, that specific point, um, I don't care about 2021 right now. And I don't think they can. I think we have seen far too much worry about that next collective bargaining agreement and setting precedents and stuff than focusing on the incredibly unique once-in-a-lifetime moment we are in right now where everybody wants baseball back and have dealt with such a hard time, such loss for so many people, whether it's jobs, lives, so many different things that has been just a horrible time that, that in this moment, you can't step out of that and say, all right, this is more important. This is more important than setting a precedent for 2021. Uh, and again, the animosity that spills over to 21, it's there anyway. Look at this. In the most unique moment in the history of, of baseball, the, a pandemic that stops the sport, they can't figure out how to get back on the field. They're arguing about money now. Why will it be any better when they're talking about a collective bargaining agreement that's going to last for years? It's not. The animosity is going to be there. It's going to be contentious. It's going to be ugly no matter what. They need to figure this out for now. And to the point that he says here, if that ends up being the case, sources have said the MLBPA will likely not agree to an expanded postseason and might even file a grievance. The grievance is one thing, as we talked about that being a potential thing, and that could also be filed and still not halt play, but it could halt play. But also the idea that, that as I said before, if the owners implement the season, they don't get anything bad. They don't get an expanded postseason. They don't get 
um, any sort of guarantees from the players about the things they wanted. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you find a way, even if it's to come to agreement for 60 games? Like, whatever you got to do to find an agreement, I just think the, the losses so outweigh the gains. Again, it's been so short-sighted the way the owners have handled this. You know how I feel about that, but just it, it is continually unbelievable that the owners can't seem to get past this one thing, this one moment, and not think about the future. Think about, all right, well, maybe we get concessions on this or we get this for that. Like They're so focused on, on winning this negotiation right now, and I think both sides are. That is the problem. At a certain point, a good, a good uh, compromise is something where both sides feel uncomfortable with it. These owners have to be okay with, with making a compromise here because they have not been. And the players have. And the players have taken all the risk. And I know the prorated salary, they're not bending on that. But again, they're the ones taking all the risk. The owners own the team in perpetuity forever. They have time to make up their losses. The players don't. They have such a finite amount of time to earn the money they make. Regardless, the big point is they need to not worry about 2021 and focus on getting this done because they are being very short-sighted. How about this? No one will even care about a collective bargaining agreement in 2021 if they can't figure this out now because everyone's going to hate the sport. So much to this. All right, the article goes on. Manfred said, I would prefer to negotiate a new agreement with the MLBPA that gets us more games and resolves the issues that have separated us amicably. But at the end of the day... We negotiated for the right in March to start the season on a number of games that we select in these particular circumstances. And if we have to, we'll exercise that right. It's a threat, <laughs> a clear threat there. And I think, again, the wording is, is key. Um, as it does not, you know, he's basically saying, you know, that'd be great, but I'm going to force the season. I mean, that's the way you read that. I would prefer to negotiate a new agreement with the MLBPA that gets us more games and resolves the issues that have separated us amicably. But at the end of the day, we negotiated for the right in March to start the season on a number of games we select in these particular circumstances. And if we have to, we'll exercise that right. Those are, those are fighting words right there. I mean, that is, a, that is a threat. And it is a clear statement that, hey, we'll do this. I think that he's speaking to the players right there. And again, I think it would be a massive mistake for them to do that. Not just because 50 games or 48 games is a sham of a season. We've talked about that. That's a whole other issue for that. I think from the owner's perspective, obviously you're just prolonging animosity, which I think is going to be an issue anyway, as I just said. But the bigger issue is you don't get anything back. You're forcing them to come in and play a season. And while creating more animosity, you're not getting anything for the trouble. You went through this whole thing and you got nothing out of it. Nothing. You got a short season. That's it. Like the owners have a chance. Like, be smart about this. Don't be short-sighted. Don't be so focused on winning this one negotiation that you're not thinking about the future because that's what it feels like right now. The article goes on. Manfred doesn't want the regular season to extend beyond September in order to guard against a potential second wave of the coronavirus and ensure that the postseason, a crucial revenue generator because of television money, is played. The league's initial proposal called for an 82-game season and a system of tiered salary cuts that would have had the greatest, its greatest impact on baseball's most famous premier players. The union countered with a 114-game full pro rata proposal that was dismissed by the owners. When the league on Monday submitted a proposal for a 76-game season and 75% prorated salaries, the players countered with an 89-game full pro rata proposal on Tuesday. 
which also included an expanded postseason for two years and a regular season that would end October 11th. Again, that is important. The expanded postseason for two years matters. That, that is a, a concession. As we've heard a million times through this whole thing is the owners' playoffs are when they make their money. All right, well, you're getting more of it in this deal. Manfred told Carl Ravage that baseball's revenues are going to be down over 70% in 2020. Sure. Uh, yeah, of course they are. I mean, that makes sense. You're not going to have fans in the same, and you're also getting way less of a season of TV revenue. So that makes sense. Uh, but that's the situation we're all in, right? I mean, that's the situation of the pandemic. A potential deal might ultimately come down to whether the sides can find common ground between 89 and 48 games with full prorated salaries. That's what I've been saying. It feels like if they're going to find common ground, it's finding the right number of games where the owners are like, all right, we'll pay this extra money for these games, full prorated salaries, but then we get something in return too, as opposed to just forcing a short season that no one's happy about. The article finishes out. Manfred said he would be quote-unquote disappointed if he had to utilize his power to implement a season that would be less than a third of the typical length. Quote-unquote, but you know what? I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we play Major League Baseball in 2020, Manfred said. And I can tell you unequivocally, we are going to play baseball this year. Going to play Major League Baseball this year. And look, I think that, that quote is, is important. Look, don't get me wrong. That is, a, that is great. That is exactly what you want to hear, that we will have baseball this season. It's just we know that you know, there's a whole lot more issues um, surrounding this. Um, in general, again, having watched it, um, a couple other things that stood out that are not in that article. Um, Manfred, again, in it, uh, cites that when they made the agreement in March, they expected fans to have to be in the sands, which is such an asinine, clear lie. I mean, there is no one on the planet who, when they were making that agreement in March, expected fans in the stands for the season. Nobody. We were already talking about it immediately. We're like, they're going to have fans in. I mean, that's clear. We're all quarantined. Like, how are they going to have fans in the stadiums? Like, we know that's not going to happen. We knew that wasn't going to happen. It was the owners putting in a little provision so they could get out of it. We know that. But the fact that Manfred is doubling down on that and saying, oh, when we made the deal, we expected it. No, you didn't, or else you wouldn't have put the provision in there. You knew it. You knew it. Uh, that really bothered me. It came off as such BS that it was um, just so clear that when you made that agreement, you did not truly expect fans in the stands. Maybe you were hopeful. Maybe you didn't know, but you had to have a real strong lean that fans would not be in the stands. And if not, then you're an idiot. But I think they did, and citing that is, it just comes off as BS. A lot of, that's the thing, is when Manfred was talking, a lot of it came off to me as, as a little BS-like. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being spoken to in a, in a honest, true way. He did say, as I said, each day goes by, we lose a game, which, yep, that's on you, bro. Figure this out. Um, and again, I, I think the real key, two keys. One, obviously, as we know, that, that we will have Major League Baseball in 2020. And that is a big deal, and I'm not trying to minimize how important that statement is. But again, it's, it's something we know. And, and it is still nice to hear from the commissioner, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing where if for some reason they force the season, the players won't play. And they don't have a season. I mean, that's like a death knell quote for, for Manfred. That's the kind of thing that will come back and, you know, will be played forever. And, and you know, it'll, it'll completely destroy his legacy, which is already, you know, a problem. And probably lose his job because of it, which 
probably should anyway, but that's beside the point. Uh, we know he won't. We know how hard it is to get rid of a commissioner. Um, but I think the, that is obviously important. But I think that the big key thing that he, he hammered home when we read that line a couple times is the idea that he said, hey, we'd love to do a deal, but at the end of the day, I'm forcing this season. He said at the end of the day multiple times. At the end of the day, a season will be forced upon you if you're the players. Again, dealmaker. Rob Manford, Mr. Dealmaker guy. Not doing so great at making the deals right now. And that was a clear threat to the players. And, and fine, look, I get it. But, and again, I'm fine with any baseball I get. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I will take a 50-game season. I won't, you know, I'm not going to be happy about it, but I'm going to be happy to have baseball. I'd rather have 50 games and, and playoffs than nothing. But I just think the owners and Manfred are making such a massive mistake with the way they've handled this from the jump and particularly now moving forward. Like, take what you can get. You know where the players are at. Instead of forcing a season, get something out of it. This is just crazy to me. So, again, not, not great. Didn't love what I heard from Rob Manfred. But I did... Love what the Phillies did in the Major League Baseball draft last night, taking Mick Abel with the 15th pick in the draft, a high school arm out of Jesuit High School in Oregon, six foot five, big arm. Uh, I watched the highlights of this guy, and buddy, buddy, nasty stuff. High 90s fastball. He's got a uh, dominant sinker type pitch that looked great. His slider is apparently very good. Um, I'm pretty excited about this for a couple reasons. One, um, the Phillies have long not really considered taking high school pitchers in the first round. And it's a big risk. Don't get me wrong. It is the lowest conversion rate of, of a type of player in, a, in the Major League Baseball draft. But, but the upside is so high in this system, this Phillies franchise, this system. If you look at it and say, all right, what's the one thing they need the most? It is a ace, a potential ace-level Young arm, big arm, hard-throwing arm. They need that the most. And that's exactly what this kid can be. This kid is super, super talented, and the ceiling is through the roof. I worry a little bit. The, the delivery is a little violent, so you worry about arm stuff. But, man, um, some of the, the what the experts had to say about him from ESPN when he was taken uh, – who is Abel? He is the first high school pitcher from Oregon drafted in the first round since the Royals took Matt Smith in 94. The six foot five Abel has been a first-round candidate since hitting the mid-90s on the radar gun early in his prep career. Still, he had an inconsistent summer last year and had just one outing this spring. A hard slider is his best secondary pitch, and he receives good reviews for his maturity and makeup. You like to hear that, especially coming into a city like Philly. Um, the maturity and makeup does matter. It's important. Uh, why the Phillies took him here? Well, it took 15 picks, but Abel is the top high school pitcher selected in the draft. You love hearing that. Abel is an Oregon State commit who looks every bit the part of an elite starting pitching prospect. He has the lanky build and touches 97 with three above average pitches coming from the Pacific Northwest. And without playing a single high school game this year, he has thrown fewer pitches than many other pitching prospects in the draft, which also makes it tough to evaluate him. The bet year is Abel growing into an elite starting pitcher. That's good. Names like Jack Flaherty, Steven Strasburg, and Justin Verlander come to mind. Give me more of that as an absolute best case here. But the chances of him getting there are slimmer, and it's going to take a while. As we said, that's why a high school pitcher is a riskier move. Um, but the upside is so high. That's why I'm excited about it. One more. Keith Law said, the Phillies broke the seal and took the first high school pitcher 
and Mick Abel, the best prep arm in the class by a mile. I don't really believe in taking high school arms in the first round, especially not the top half, but that's a general philosophy, and Abel is the most obvious example this year of someone I would consider there, having him ranked 16th in the class. He checks every box you could want in a teenage pitching prospect and has been this good since the summer before his junior year. It's good to hear, man. Good to hear. That's that's the exact type of thing I want to hear about the guy I took. I just think there's so much upside with this kid. It's exciting. Um, another one, uh, Joe Doyle covers major league, uh, minor league baseball. Mick Abel has all the makings of an ace. Projectable body, fluid delivery, four above average pitches. Needs to work on consistency and command late in the game. Fastball has a plus tail, 60 slider, above average changeup, huge ceiling. Player comp, Jack Flaherty. Twice we're hearing Jack Flaherty. That That is music to my ears. I just talked about Jack Flaherty last week and the, what to be excited about the Cardinals. I want to, I'm excited about Jack Flaherty because he's so awesome. Can you imagine if we had our own Jack Flaherty? I'm pretty excited about this pick. It's a risk. It's a definitive risk, but this team needs young, big, talented arms, and they don't have those guys, and they got one, and it's a risk, but the upside is so freaking high. I support the risk. I'm excited about it, so... All right. Well done, Brian Barber. Well done, Matt Klentak. I won't hear you know, say that that often, but well done. Um, I like the pick. Uh, hopefully it pans out. Obviously a long way to go, only 18. All right. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, uh, we'll continue. We'll look ahead to the weekend. Um, a little more, obviously, on the dispute if anything happens. Uh, and uh, some uh, plans to get it done uh, that I've seen. And also um, uh, the go to Broad Street, which we've been talking about on WIP. We'll tell you more about that tomorrow as well. So until tomorrow, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.